Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Steve Woodrow. Welcome and good morning to y'all. I um, hope everybody's well. I hope you're here and hungry for the word. We wrap up this morning our series um, in Kings. And if you've been with us this summer, we've taken kind of a journey through Samuel and uh, the Kings and Chronicles, looking at lessons from the Kings. And we'll wrap that up this Sunday. Next Sunday, remember, don't forget, we go to one service starting next Sunday. Um, at uh, 9 o'clock right here. We'll be in that through the rest of the school year. Uh, Derek's going to bring a message next Sunday. Um, the following week, we will begin our um, uh, deep dive into the book of Ephesians, one of my favorite books. And so we're trying to unite the whole church, the men and the women are going to be in Ephesians, and we'll be in Ephesians here on Sunday morning. We will be in Ephesians all year long. So we will not hurry through this short little book. We're going to take a really a deep dive and um, see what the Lord has for us. Super, super excited for that. Hope you'll join us. And if you're off somewhere in and out, um, you can stay connected. Obviously, if you don't have the get the weekly email, um, you can sign up. Just sign up one of the cards, put it in the giving box in the back, and we'll get you on the list um, for that as well. All right, let's dive in <clears throat> this morning. Um, You'll bring the slides up for me right there. We're close. Okay. Well, let me just, uh, as we're getting close, let me um, throw this question out. We have, uh, if you've been with us this summer, I've kind of given three lessons from the kings. We just journeyed. Last week we saw Hezekiah. This morning we're going to be looking at um, um, Josiah, and we'll be in 2 Chronicles 34, um, if you want to go ahead and find your way there. Um, but I'll ask you this question. Um, how do you know that you're living dependent on God? And here's a deeper, deeper question. As a follower of Jesus, how are you supposed to feel? A lot about feelings in our culture today. Matter of fact, our entire culture has been shifted to put a focus on feelings. But for people of faith, for those who follow Jesus, have you ever thought about this? How are you supposed to feel? Are you in touch with your emotions? Remember, when the gospel comes, it revolutionizes, it transforms who we are from the inside out. The Holy Spirit comes in, makes us home, brings alive our spirit. And this new abundant life we're walking in is to have the Holy Spirit start to inform our thinking, our mind, our emotions, our feelings, and our will, how we make decisions. It should be command central, right, inside our heart. Uh, The Holy Spirit learning to listen to the voice of God. Jesus says, my sheep, they hear my voice and they follow me. And uh, so I just want to dive a little deep into one lesson this morning. And this lesson, folks, um, I believe, I think it's one of the major lessons of all the kings through the entire Old Testament. And as we're going to see, it connects right on into the New Testament as one of the primary spiritual lessons we need to hold on to. And I think it's something that we often don't um, understand or um, kind of think about and let sink deep when, when inside us. Um, and it's this idea of dependence on God. Do you feel dependent on God? And what is that? How do you feel dependent on God? And actually, there's nothing more important because Jesus, right? He says, unless you abide in me, 
Without me, you can do nothing, Jesus says. And I think too many times we bring Jesus into just one compartment of our life and we forget this is an all-in or nothing venture. It's a complete dependence, it's a complete surrender to the lordship of Jesus to count the cost. And it is a radical dependence on God. And what we'll see here with, and we see this all through the Kings, but especially this morning in Josiah, is this, um, this renewal of, of a dependence on God. And we see with all the kings, when they're dependent on God, when they honor Him, when they're humble before God, when they seek God out before they make decisions, guess what happens? God blesses Israel. He blesses the king. And then it's about as clear as it can be, it's just this cycle from one king to the next. We see, wow, they learned the lesson, and then we see the very next, this next son, the next king, what does he do? He starts building the high places up, he starts depending on, on himself, and what happens? A quick decay, right, in the kingdom. And that principle, folks, is no different for us, right, today. Um, this idea of being dependent on God. So, this is the question I want us to look at this morning. Are we feeling dependent on God? And I specifically am using the idea of feeling, as you're going to see as we march through this, because uh, oftentimes we, don't, we, we just are more intellect. What I'm thinking, we ask somebody, are you depending on God? And we say, yes, but what is the feeling of dependence like? So we're going to drill down here a little bit. And this is uncomfortable. I'm going to tell you, this lesson for me has been one of the hardest to lay hold of and to be honest before God with because it exposes inside me how much I love comfort, how much I love being in control, and how much I love feeling powerful. That's what the world tells you. And your children, 24-7, work for comfort. Comfort is good. Be in control. Don't let anybody else control. You be in control. And more than anything, you're powerful. You need to be powerful. You need to be in control. And all those are alive for the soul. You know what? Jesus comes to the gospel is completely the opposite of that. And so here's the, our final lesson in the Kings. And I hope you'll take this and dive deep into this. Again, I'm going to just go over a, several verses this morning and try to break this down, share some things. We are not to feel comfortable, in control, or powerful but dependent on God. For in Christ, we're more than conquerors and we will reign with Him forever. Hmm. Now, if we're really honest, right, we're going to have a little problem with some of those. I'm not to feel comfortable. And what do we mean by that? Because actually in our lives, folks, you realize how much time we spend in effort and money, everything's trying to get to a place of comfort. That's the American dream. Make enough money so you're financially independent. There's the other word, independent versus dependence. Work for comfort. And the other one is be in control. Right? Just, just be as secure. And that really comes to the heart of issue. I want to feel secure. And to feel secure means I need to be in control because if I feel out of control, I don't feel secure. And then finally, this issue of power. And this is another huge button today, the power struggles, right? Today you see it in our culture. It's all power fight, right? This goes all the way back to Marxism and all this critical junk that we're talking about today. It's, it just is a highlight of the problem today and the exposure today of the lie today that we've been telling each other, you're powerful, you're strong, 
Be strong. Live strong. All that's a lie. The gospel comes with an absolute, complete, different message in Jesus. Deny yourself. Right? Not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. This is the abundant life. This is where radical spiritual breakthrough, this is where, I'm going to show you, this is where health comes in. Physical, emotional health is tied to a laying down my control, my all these things, my comfort and everything, and a radical move of dependence on God. That is the key to the abundance of when the Spirit comes. And you know what? God stands off. If His people don't make room for Him to come, if we don't make room in our lives to depend on Him, guess what? He, as we see in the Kings, alright, you go make that decision. You go with your emotions. You try to stay in control. And He lets us live a life still in the flesh, still by the ways of the world, rather than right, leaning into Him. And when we lean, when we humble ourselves, what did God say? He draws near to the humble. He's opposed, at odds with the prideful, those who control life, right? Um, so let's just take a quick look, deep dive into Second Chronicles. And uh, I'm going to move from um, Josiah's life to quickly the New Testament to show you this biblical spiritual truth. It runs through everything. And what we've seen in the Kings, if you've been with us, you've seen this lesson is, you know, we, last week we saw Hezekiah. Well, after Hezekiah, his son was Manasseh. And Hezekiah had the incredible reform we looked like last week, right? Incredible renewal, restore the temple, everything else. His son, the next generation, the next king, was the darkest king Israel has had. That quick move from depending on God and calling the people to worship, boom, into the ways of the world. And we see... Um, this young king, um, Josiah, he started when he was eight years old and uh, started making reforms. And so I want to just pick up, if you're with me, Second Chronicles chapter 34. And uh, he comes to, to uh, reign and rule. And what had happened quickly, back a couple generations, the temple had been restored, worship had been restored, um, and then Manasseh comes in, tears it all down. The temple became a mess. It became just a, as we're going to see, kind of a, just a, a storehouse of treasure and, and everything. Um, it lost its purpose um, that had been restored just before. And let me just jump in here in chapter 34, starting in verse 14, because what one of the things that um, Josiah did was he started turning back to the Lord. And folks, let me just, this principle is just amazing. You'd think we would learn it. It is over and over again. You turn to the Lord, God blesses, He brings favor. You turn away from the Lord and you're going to have generations of radical decay. And again, I don't have to tell you um, the, the state of emergency we're in as a nation. If we think we can continue to go this way without God's hand of discipline, I don't know what history book or Bible you're reading. Um, it's over and over again and and so, um, things are a wreck. Um, Josiah comes to reign, and he uh, starts reform. Sends his, uh, his team out of priests and others to clean up the temple. We've got to prepare God's house again. We've got to centralize, unify the nation again, all right, to the, to the temple. And, 
And so he sends these guys in. In the midst of the cleanup, the word of God, the Torah, the very central aspect of the blessing of Israel, which God gave the commands to and everything, had been lost in the midst of this. And uh, the world and all the other nations right, started impacting Israel. And um, the priest uh, finds the book of the law. Listen to verse 14. And while they were bringing out the money that had been brought into the house of the Lord, uh, Hilkiah the priest found the book of the law of the Lord given through Moses. And then Hilkiah answered and said to Shaphan the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan and Shaphan brought the book to the king. Now jump down to verse 19. And when the king heard the words of the law, he tore his clothes. And so spiritual sensitivity is for Josiah. There's a renewal back to the word of God. And folks, the principle here couldn't be any clearer for us today. I step back from, from letting the word of God be regular and powerfully setting the tone of my emotions and my heart and my view of the world Quickly like this, the world takes over and my flesh takes over in this world. And I become what? Dependent self takes the throne of my life again and the world, right? And it, it takes over very, very quickly. I mean, it can happen in weeks. It can happen in a day even, right? We can give our dependence, our fear, our anxiety, everything to the things around us rather than being rooted right in the Word of God. And so we see the Word of God just hit Josiah right in his heart because he was already just longing for the king at a heart for the Lord at a heart for him and it brought great conviction upon him and this is what the king says so and when the king heard the words of the law he tore his clothes uh, back then folks for someone to tear their clothes is deep anguish it's a sign of humility it's a call to fasting and laying low before God and pleading with God right to intervene in a, in a powerful way and the king commanded Hilkiah, Hikim, the son of Shaphan, Abdon, the son of Micah, Shaphan, the secretary, Isaiah, and king's servant, saying, Go inquire of the Lord for me and for those who are left in, in Israel and Judah concerning the words of the book that has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is poured out on us, because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord to do according to all that is written in the book." And folks, that should be a loud shot across the bow for the church in America today. Is this is the place we stay dependent on the Lord? Are we upholding according to all of the Word of God, right? Or just our choose and pick according to our comfort, according to what culture says, which is happening right across the board. So it begins with the Word of God. So we see this principle again: God's favor rushing into the kingdom again because you had a a man, a king, right, who, who had a heart for God and was humble before God as, as the, the ruler. And the next thing that happens, if we come along, is um, they go to uh, the prophetess Hilda and gets this word. And yes, the word of God is true. Yes, because of, boy, as I mentioned, Manasseh and others before him, things have gotten really bad. And so God's judgment is coming on now. The northern kingdom has already been taken away to Assyria. Babylon's getting ready to come and wipe out the southern kingdom. But listen to verse 27. She, the prophecy goes on to say to the king, Because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before God when you heard his words, listen to this, against this place and its inhabitants, and you have humbled yourself before me and have torn your clothes and wept before me, 
I have heard you, declares the Lord. And he goes on to say that this, this calamity will not come uh, during um, Josiah's time. Folks, that again is, we could read that over and over in the king's life, is when there's the tearing of clothes, when there's a humbleness before God, when there's a brokenness and a restoration, a conviction before God and His Word that we have run from Him, done our own things, God rushes in. He's a God who's quick to bring grace, quick to bring mercy. Right? He says, draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. But He can't draw near pride. He cannot draw and will not draw near self-control, right? Uh, and all the things in a powerful, you know, my way type of thing. It requires great, right, humility in the process. The next thing, again, I'm just giving you, because I want to get to the New Testament, chapter 35, um, what um, Josiah does is in the midst of the world, the word, again, he restores the feasts of Israel, and he brings the people back to celebrating Passover, a command of God, one of the key celebrations um, of the Jewish people, highlighting God's deliverance out of Egypt. And today, what, does, what is the importance of Passover for us right here this morning? You're looking at right here, this table right here. Right? When we come to communion, it is a recognition of our, our utmost dependence on God and celebration on God providing a lamb for us. On God providing a way of salvation for us. This is the complete dependence coming to this table. We have nothing to bring God. We cannot save ourselves. He's a gracious, glorious God who has brought salvation free by the grace of God for anyone who will come to Him thirsty, will deny themselves, humble themselves, and reach out, God, I need you. And the church is to celebrate regularly the table, to examine ourselves before we come to that table and remember the great things that God has done. Remember that God sent His own Son. He loves us so much. Sacrifice His Son that we would be saved, realizing that no amount of law following, no amount of, of ceremony and civil laws of the Old Testament aren't going to save anyone. He needs a holy people so He can dwell with them. His desire is to be with us and to have fellowship with us. And the only way He's going to do that is that we're holy. And the Scriptures say, without holiness, no one will see God. Now, how can I be holy? By dependence on God, who provides it through the power of the Spirit of God, right? And so he restores Passover. You can read in chapter 3, 5, it's this massive celebration, a renewal of the blessings of God and the unity of the nation, the the, uh, um, humility, the conviction of the king just flows down into the whole nation, unifying the whole nation around the temple and around their worship of God. But then in the last part of 35, here, this is, it should be shocking because here we have it again. After everything Josiah has seen God do, all the favor upon him, and the same thing was for Hezekiah, what happened? He got comfortable. He got lazy before God. And and it's, it's shocking to read the last part of this chapter, and it says King Necho of Egypt is coming up to fight the Assyrians. And... And there's so much in this little section, right? And Josiah says, the king went out to meet him in battle. And the king of Egypt writes back to, to, um, to Josiah and says, what do you, we don't have anything, I'm not messing with you, I've got a clear mission. 
And here's the amazing thing is, Nico, who's a total pagan king, Egypt had some of the worst of the pagan rituals, is God speaks prophetically through Nico to Josiah and says, God has called me over here, don't mess, go home. This isn't your battle. Now, after everything we've seen Josiah do, plead, break his clothes, humble himself before God, seek God, in the end, he got comfortable. There's no sign in here that of Josiah calling in his counsel and saying, pray before the Lord, what should we do with this king of Egypt? He just went out in battle. He got powerful. And when he got powerful, he missed the power of God. And he was killed in battle. Um, again, that story is told over and over and over again. As I said before, right? Not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. It's like God is shouting that all through the history of the world. Who is going to learn this lesson? Right? And so, folks, again is that there couldn't be any deeper lesson we could learn in our life. If you, if we want to walk in the abundance of God, is to learn this lesson. And I'm tying it to this issue of how do I feel dependent? That's a tough one. And so I just asked you this morning, are you feeling dependent on God? And so here's a tough question. If we were just sitting down the table, you could ask me the same question. Is... What are you depending on God for right now? Food? Clothing? None of us. You're retired. What? We'll go down. What are you really depending on God for? And here's the reality is we're some of the most affluent people ever walk on the face of the planet. So we have double work in this area. Double work. I can still be dependent. I can have all this provision. Everything we have. Look where we live for Pete's sakes. We should live with a sense of humility. Oh my gosh, God. Look at what you've given us. There is nothing more powerful for your heart, your soul, my soul, my heart than every day to just get humble before God and realize everything I have, the very breath out of my mouth is from Him. From Him. And when I position myself that way, right, then guess what? Man, there's, there's a, the fruit of the Spirit rushes in. Now, um, if I forget to say it, if you, let me just say this. The fruit of the Spirit, folks, love, joy, peace, patience, all these things, they will not come on anyone who is not dependent on God. You cannot muster up joy in your life. You can make yourself happy. You can go buy a house in Aspen, you get pretty happy about that. But it will not last, which we know. You cannot create real love or peace and shalom in your life. Only the Spirit of God can. And go down the list. Patience, kindness, all these. Self-control. It comes from the Spirit of God. It comes from brokenness before God. Lord, I am radically dependent on you for everything I have, right? Everything I have. And so let me take us on a little journey, just some practical things. Um... But first, let me just say, what this idea of why should we not feel comfortable? Now, I know there's going to be some pushback on this. Wait, didn't Jesus save me to give me a beautiful, wonderful life? And we heard it. God loves you. He's got a great plan for your life. Oh, I can't wait. This is going to be wonderful. I'm going to be feel comfortable. Isn't peace feeling comfortable? I ask you to show, show me one person in the scripture 
that was comfortable. It was a follower of Jesus. What's the problem with comfort? What's the problem with feeling comfortable? Now, we're all comfortable. Let's just say, in the whole history of the world, we are the most comfortable people ever to live on earth. Now, is there anything wrong with that? No. But to feel comfortable is a problem. Why? Because when I start feeling comfortable, guess what? Just like later in his life, Josiah, he didn't have to depend on God anymore. When I'm comfortable, I'm content with me, what I have, what I've done. And it's a fast track to missing the voice of God and having dire consequences in my life. And just on a side note, every one of these kings, it usually happened later in their life. The older we get, the more mature we should be. But guess what? The battle is deeper because as we age, guess what? All of these things, if I don't get some transformation in my life as I'm aging, it will get worse. If I don't deal with my soul now, the older I get, guess what? That self, that anxiety, that fear, that desire for security and comfort or, or, or the pains or the, whatever the wound is, whatever these, if I don't deal with it with the gospel, guess what? Later on in my life, it will beat the crap out of me. Does that make sense, gang? It's strong words. It's because the older we get, if we don't grow in dependence on Him, we move out to be dependent and grab hold of what the world has to offer me. And that oftentimes brings great destruction and chaos in our life. So, what about control? And here's the thing. I love comfort. I love comfort. And I really love being in control. Yes, I would be a classic control freak. I love controlling things. Even like the hike tomorrow, right? I'm going to do everything I can do not to just control. Here's what we're going to do. You know, just... That's because on the seat of my soul is this big old self that wants to control. Because that either makes me feel more comfortable or in control makes me feel powerful or whatever it may be. Folks, to follow Jesus, I have to say, I'm not in control. I'm dependent radically on you. And the final one, folks, is power. Man, everything, right? Look at this place we live. Um, you're powerful. So I'm going to just dive in on these real quick as we close our time. Here's the New Testament. What does Jesus say? I'm the vine, you're the branches. Think deeply about that illustration. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do what? Everything I do apart from him is worth nothing in eternity. I want to say it again. And that's about as blatant as everything I accomplish and do without him is zero eternal significance. Do you believe that? That's a strong... And to abide in Jesus, the vine, the rent, I can't live without you. If I pop off there, I'm dead. That's how I should live every day. Lord, 
keep me plugged? Bring that sap. Bring that Holy Spirit. I need some fruit. I got to be connected, Lord. And to break off, everything is worth nothing. And so the question is, am I dependent on Him when I go do whatever it is I'm accomplishing? Am I feeling dependent on Him? You're with me, Lord. Come. I need your wisdom in this business thing, in this family thing, in this hobby thing, and I need you with me. Right? Look what Jesus says here to the disciples. I have food to eat that you do not know about. My food is to do the will of Him who sent me and to accomplish His work. And folks, here... I don't have time to go too deep into this. I hope you'll take this. This is a key to your physical and mental health. This is probably the greatest medicine anybody could have right here. Right there. What did Jesus say? I have food, guys. I have a sustenance for the health of my body, my entire being that you don't even know about. It's to be so dependent and in tune with the Father. I don't do anything He's not doing. That is the place of emotional and spiritual and physical health that the Holy Spirit radically will move. Jesus goes on, says, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of His own accord, but only what He sees the Father doing. Radical dependence. Jesus modeled for us what it looks like to feel dependent on God. Wow. Whoops. Uh, help. I can do nothing without Derek on the tech board. <laughs> um, let me just make sure I didn't miss one here. Nope. All right. Um, man, gang, ah, ah, again, I'm just touching. Please take these verses. This is Paul's thorn. Pleaded with the Lord. Remember, he's, he, he's having to boast. He's doing it as to get the attention of the Corinthians and He's talking about his incredible experience of being taken up and seeing things he couldn't even put words to, could not share, right? And God had to humble him. Wait a minute. God had to humble the Apostle Paul? Send him a messenger from Satan to humble him, a thorn in the flesh. Paul pleaded three times before him, Lord, please take this. God said, no, my grace is sufficient for you, right? And and goes on to say, my power is made perfect in weakness, Do you want the power of the Holy Spirit to rest on your life? It will not happen or it will be corrupted unless you understand how weak and trembling and fearful you are before God. When Paul showed up to Corinthians, he says, I'm with you in great trembling and fear and weakness so that the power of the Spirit can rest on me and on my words so that your faith, people, would not rest on the wise words of men but on the what? The power of God. And I ask you this morning, what's your faith resting on? Some preachers were, some podcast things, some little cute devotional you're reading. Is your faith resting on the power of God? If not, your faith will not stand. Is it resting on the power of God? Right? It's radical dependence, God. When we are weak, Paul says, then we're strong. This is all over the place, folks. Uh, The uh, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, theirs is the kingdom. You've got to realize how much I need God. If I don't, I will never experience the power of the kingdom on my life. Nor will a church if we don't get this down right. Is this making sense? I hope. 
Hope you'll take these patches. Okay, here's one for Aspen, Colorado. Rather train yourself for godliness. This is Paul to Timothy. For while bodily training is of some value, remember he's in a Greek culture, this is Ephesus. They were the ones who were all about a chiseled body, elevating the idolatry of the body, being strong. The Olympic Games and everything, how strong man is. Godliness, though, is a value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. And so, folks, in our culture today, where we are just, <laughs> it's so, everybody's got your Strava account, and don't get me wrong, I love doing hard things. We must do hard things. We must discipline our bodies. There's nothing wrong with doing hard things, training hard, achieving new Strava, you know, whatever, and all that stuff. There's nothing wrong with all that. The question in all that is, is this making you feel strong or making you feel more dependent on God? That's the question. For most, they're going after all this to feel strong, right? The whole, you are strong. You can be strong. Live strong. All it's doing is building up self. And folks, the reality is the older I get, you know what? Whew, I'm not as strong as I used to be. I was better the older I was. I get the better I was, right? And all that stuff. And the question is, am I in this? And folks, even for the spiritual disciplines, we've got to work hard. We've got to do hard things to discipline our body. But even in spiritual things is I can build myself up. Wow, man, I fasted three days in a row. Ooh. Are those spiritual disciplines making me more dependent on God? Same with my physical. Now here's the, here's the point that's important. Is that if I don't learn to depend on Him, if I start building myself and becoming strong in myself, sooner or later, guess what? Reality is going to hit. I'm really not that strong anymore. And if I haven't learned to depend on God, listen to this. What am I going to do? I'm going to reach out for something to make me strong again. I'm going to reach out and be susceptible to unhealthy and unholy things to make me strong again. And folks, that is a deadly, deadly spiral. I don't know if you've read in the Wall Street, but the, <laughs> the newest thing right now among startups and among big creatives and, <clears throat> and the Silicon Valley and everything is psychedelics. Just small doses. Come in, we're going to have a creative time and take a little bit of all the different things, mushroom, all that different stuff. And I'm going to just take a little dose and it helps me think to be more creative, to get on top and get ahead in the marketplace. There's laws right now to, to actually legalize all that. If I'm not learning to be dependent on Him, I will be susceptible to every little thing, you know, uh, techno-sapien stuff, technology, drugs, everything else to make me stronger and, and more powerful in my thinking. And folks, that is extremely dangerous. And the consequences, well, I think we, we know. Does that make sense, gang? This is at the core of what it is, right? The lessons from the king. Oh, learn to be dependent on him. And always, man, am I feeling dependent on him? Even a time of comfort, even a time of victory, right? Of, of winning the victory lap, whatever. Lord, thank you, everything. I, all this race, this business, this, whatever it is, Lord, I, I am only here because of what you have given me. Every breath, Lord, right, from you. Last thing, Derek, y'all come on up. 
This is one of my favorite verses, and just I want to just lead us maybe into our Ephesians study. What does Paul say to the Ephesians? Now to him who's able to do, listen to this, far more abundantly than all we could ask or even think, according to what? The power at work within us. According to your intellect? According to how smart you are? How many degrees you have? How strong you are? How in, he- how in shape you are? No, no, no. None of that. God can do all things according to the Holy Spirit when we allow Him to come and bring alive His power, the resurrection power of God inside our soul. Man. And so just back to our lesson to close things out. We're not to feel comfortable. Matter of fact, I need to be a great danger. When I start feeling comfortable or even thinking of working towards comfort, man, Lord, speak to me here. Bring me back into dependence on you. When I start to feel or take control of things, man, that's a wake-up call. Lord, please, let me come back and be dependent on you. When I start to feel powerful, in shape, um, I got humbled a couple weeks ago, actually, out with my son. It was like, oh, okay. Wasn't quite as strong as I thought I was. Um, but that's what just happened. It's like, Lord, thank you. I'm out here. Thank I'm still walking. I'm dependent every bit. You knit this thing together. You know how many days and hours I have left. God, I am radically dependent. I want to walk with you so that your spirit can come. This can be a temple for your spirit to dwell and show through my weakness your power, God. What you and only you can do, right? Um, that's the testimony. Not, not how in shape I am or how great I am with this or that. The, the testimony is, let me tell you what God has done in my life that I could never do or accomplish. Let me tell you what He's done in these relationships. Let me tell you what He's done in my heart. Let me tell you what He's done with the breaking off of wrong thinking and everything. Let me tell you what Jesus has done that I could not do without Him. A church, folks in America, we have settled for what we can do. Testimonies of what we can do. And God's just sitting back. I'm like, you guys just carry on. What you can do. He's waiting for a church to say, man, Lord, please come. We need you to fill this place. We need you to transform hearts. We need you to set the captive free that only you can do. We can't do. We're just humble servants. We're waiting. We're available. We are dependent on you, God. And folks, here's the in Jesus. When you are, if you know Him, if you're saved and you are in Jesus, you are more than a conqueror through Him, not your power, through what He has done. And folks, the blessings of Ephesians, He has raised you up and seated you in the heavenly places with God. And the church has been seated in that place with the keys of the kingdom to bind and loose and to operate in the authority of the kingdom. And we're just playing around with little stuff we can do. When is the church going to wake up and say, God, we were ready to be part of what you want to do. What you want to do, Father, in this day and age, right? So, Father, thank you for your word. And, um, Lord, uh, thanks for beating me up in a good way all week with it, Lord. Um, Father, may we learn this. May we never leave a place of dependence on you, God. Holy Spirit, fill this place. Encourage us. Convict us. Transform us, Lord. Lord, for your glory, God. I just want to close with a testimony. Um, back in January, 
Bob Bliney and I had a chance to go out to California and interview um, Greg and Sally Livingstone. Greg pastored this church in the 70s. He left to start Frontiers, which is the largest mission agency in the world that specifically sends people out to love on Muslims around the world, hard places of the world. And in their story, in their marriage, they've been in 37, 38 different homes around the world. Tough stuff. Hard places. Somewhere several years back is that uh, Sally got hit with a dark depression. It like came on her and it just locked her down for months at a time until she'd be break free of it. Um, people prayed. We've prayed. Everybody's prayed over the years. And she's never been completely set free. When we were there, she's just kind of barely coming out of it. And uh, we were filming. And soon this, these, we'll have these out on our site uh, for you to go and be encouraged with. Um, they are in their 80s. He just got back from Germany, Baghdad. Most people in their 80s, ah, I can't travel, I'm, I'm not comfortable. He's got all kinds of issues, can't, suffering from cancer, everything else. He's about giving his life for the kingdom. He's not worried about comfort, not worried about being controlled. He's worried about, Lord, your purposes in this world. And not only that, but his wife, Sally, is in her 80s and is just completely emotionally shut down. And here's the deal. I asked her, I sat there, and I'll never forget as long as I live. I said, how, how do you push through? As quick as this, she looked at me, and she says, because I know he loves me. I know he loves me. And here's the deal. Even in the midst of her dark, dark depression, that the best drugs in the world have not been able to eliminate, she has stayed faithful. She doesn't lock herself in a room. She'll get on a plane and go to freaking Baghdad or Germany with her husband to serve the kingdom. Now, folks, that is radical dependence on God. That is, when I am weak, you, God, are strong. Let that encourage you this morning. And hopefully challenge us, right, in a big, big way. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.